It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football player prop expert. You got Chris Dell in the house at Mad Journalist on Twitter. That is M-A-D-D Journalist on Twitter. And you can find us both at bettingpredators.com and on pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. We're going to go ahead and talk NFL week number six. This is our Money Picks Podcast. Where we go ahead, we tell you everything that you need to know for your season-long DFS and, of course, those player props. Chris, we're going to start out here with an early game. It's going to be the London game between Miami and Jacksonville. Current line of this one, Miami's laying three over and under 47. Got the Jaguars in this one, Chris. Uh, winless on the season. Miami, they haven't won a game in about, I think it's four games in a row now. But Tua should be back for this game, Chris. So I'm not sure if you have any props in line with him. But what are you looking at for this game? Well, the number one thing that I want to look at for this game is, you know, how do these defenses shake out? Because these are two offenses that we've tried to pick on in past weeks when it comes to fantasy, DFS, et cetera. Um, I, I just don't know when it comes to, to these two teams playing on a neutral field. Uh, both these defenses are bad, man. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they rank 29th overall in the league in their coverage grade, according to PFF, uh, you know, bottom tier pass rush for the Jaguars as well. Um, the Jaguars run defense is one of the worst in the league, even though they stack the box at one of the highest rates in the league as well. Um, you know, this is just one that's been really hard for me to figure out because it's two offenses that I t- typically don't want any part of. Um, but I don't know. For me, I'm, I'm kind of looking at some pass-happy scripts for the Dolphins. I, I think they will try to throw the ball in this game in terms of how, you know, the Jaguars like to play defense. Again, they like to stack the box. And you look at the Dolphins' offense, like they don't really have that many guys that really like to run the ball all that much when it comes to Miles Gaskin, when it comes to Malcolm Brown and Solomon Ahmed. It, it's kind of like a, a rotating thing when it comes to their backfield each week, who's going to be featured. And, and that's kind of the question there. Uh, I, I would not rely on Miles Gaskin this week at all. And we're not seeing any props right now on the Dolphins side of things because of that injury to Tua. It's still unclear if he's going to start. All indications are that it's looking like he will start in this game. Um, I'll tell you one thing, Sleepy, in terms of the Jaguars props, the one thing that uh, I kind of lean to is James Robinson over his rushing yards. Um, the projections say that you, it's not like an edge in terms of the bet. It's like the line is like right in the, the, the line for his props on the rushing yards is like right in line with his projection overall. But, you know, he's a guy that's coming off an 18 carry 149 yard game in a game that the Jaguars lost. And he showed big playability in that game as well with a 58 yard run. Um, so th- that's really the only place that I can look personally would be James Robinson. Um, you know, for the Jaguars, like I can rely at least the last couple of weeks. We've seen Carlos Hyde. He's on the field. He's active. And Urban Meyer is finally not running that clown show type of offense where he's giving Carlos Hyde half the touches. So uh, I'm going to lean right now to James Robinson over his rush attempts and over the rushing yards, 72 and a half on DraftKings minus 110. Um, unfortunately, there is no rush attempts listed for this game. I think they're just holding a lot of stuff back until we find the final news on Tua there. But again, I think these are two bad defenses and these two offenses, although they're not great on paper, they could wind up having decent fantasy days uh, because of how bad the, the defenses are. So that that's kind of my overall thoughts here. James Robinson, I feel like he has a secure role 
in this offense. And then the Dolphins, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, but I believe they will throw the ball, you know, at an above average rate in this matchup here. What do you make of um, what do you make of Williams, Chris? Because saw him last week. He looked like he was. Uh, I mean, maybe it was the number one target for for Brissette, for Brissett. But do you think that um, you think there's a chance maybe that we could find some props with him? Maybe use him. Like it looked like his usage rate was up pretty like pretty good last week. Yeah, he came out of nowhere. I mean, this is a guy that dealt with multiple injuries last year, had a season end, I think, with an elbow injury. Um, you know, had five uh, five targets, three catches, 60 yards, where Jalen Waddle only had two catches on six targets for 31 yards. So um, Mike Kosicki is a guy where if the Dolphins are going to keep throwing it with Tua, Mike Kosicki has had a long reception of 22 yards or more now in three straight games. So – I'm looking for the Dolphins to throw, whether it's Brissett or Tua under center. And once we see the lines come out, I think that Kasicki will almost be assumed by the prop market in the books as the number one receiver in this offense. Um, we saw a nice rapport last year with Preston Williams and Tua Tugabailoa before Williams got hurt. And although I really don't want to play a guy over on his props when he's just one one game back in terms of his role from an injury that was you know pretty much a year long injury, I think that we could get some really soft numbers with him. So I, I believe in the talent of Preston Williams. I believe that there was chemistry last year left on the field before he got hurt. Um, and in this type of game, with Tua's first game back, no Devonte Parker, he could look to Preston Williams, and they could rekindle that flame they had last season. So I, I do I do agree that is a good thing to keep your eye on there. Uh, and I, I think it could be a sneaky, like real type of, you know, if you're doing a showdown slate, I, I think for this game, because obviously it's not on the main slate being at 930 a.m. Eastern time. But I think that could be a sneaky type of punt play at wide receiver, uh, uh, Preston Williams, uh, to, to put into your showdown lineup if you're playing this game on DraftKings. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about the all day. But then I, as you just mentioned, I forgot it was, you know, the early game of the day. So that probably, I mean, if I have the opportunity to do a showdown, I'll, I'll certainly plug him in there. I don't like anything, Chris, really, for this particular game. Um, nothing really with Jacksonville right now. I would probably go ahead and, you know, be with you with Robinson. Uh, why the hell not? I mean, he seems like that, you know, he's the workhorse of this team right now. Uh, I don't know if Lawrence could. I, I watched Lawrence last week, and it was like, uh, I think we had Chenault. I think he was 57 and a half receiving yards, Chris, and he had like a 58-yard catch, and it was like, you know, talk about catching a miracle in a game where we had no business going ahead, cashing that prop. Like he's just struggling to get the ball to certain guys in that offense. And it's just like, you know, old reliables Robinson. So um, I'd, I'd be with you with that. I mean, he's probably the guy that if you're putting your money down with, at least you have faith that, you know, he's going to get you close, but I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable really with any of these guys uh, on either team. Let's jump over to Houston. Let's talk Indianapolis. Indianapolis are going to be minus 10 in this game, Chris. Uh, we have a total of 43 and a half. I like Indy in this game. I don't want to lay the points, but I just don't see how they lose this particular game. So uh, my gut feeling says I might look at some Jonathan Taylor. I might look at some Naheem Hines. Um, you could probably even look at, at, at a lot of the receivers here. Indy's healthy right now. And I think that that's one of the benefits of, you know, kind of starting out the season where, you know, you got a lot of bad things going on and, you know, Carson Wentz twists his ankles and this guy's out and, you know, T.Y. Hilton's out, and it's like, all right, things look bad. And I believe that that creates a little bit of value, but this team right now, in my in my eyes, um, is healthy right now. 
Uh, I thought they should have won that game last week in Baltimore. Unfortunately, you know, they, they kind of threw up all over themselves and gave that game away. But they're going to come in here salty. And and this is a, a particular part of the, the schedule for them where they could probably whip rip off probably like four out of six games where they could probably win. They, may, they might even be able to win five out of six. So I think they get the ball rolling. And, and they're going to look at Houston as probably a team that, you know, that they could roll over in this particular game. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, going ahead and maybe double dipping on some indie guys. I think there are probably a lot of opportunities um, with that particular team. So uh, it would be indie for me. A lot of player props probably with that team in general. Houston, I don't even think you could touch them, Chris, on on the road right now. But I don't know. Maybe I'm a little salty too because I have Brandon Cooks and uh, he let me down last week too. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this game, the guy I had circled number one was Jonathan Taylor. I, I think the books have set his line properly at about eighty one and a half on uh, eighty and a half on DraftKings, eighty one and a half on FanDuel is what I'm seeing right now. His projection is 73 yards, so it's sometimes you have to throw out the projection when you know a good spot when you see it. And the fact is, you know, the Colts had, you know, a really disappointing loss in primetime last week. They had that game in the back against the Ravens, let it go. Now they get a spot to rectify themselves here at home against a divisional opponent where, hey, even though the Houston Texans lost last week, I mean, they must be riding high. The fact that they were even able to compete against the New England Patriots, and Davis Mills had the game of his life. Uh, That was one of my favorite props, and I still stand by it last week, was Davis Mills under his passing yards. I mean, I think the Patriots came into that game completely just on on a, you know, kind of like a a downward emotional spiral, you know, one week removed from playing against Tom Brady. So uh, I I think we see a role reversal this week to where the Colts back at home, this is going to be one of the very few chances this year they have to put their foot on the throat of an opponent and in a division game against a quote-unquote weak opponent like the Texans, I think the Colts will do that. Uh, you know, the Colts still have a top-five run defense in the league, and then you look at the other side of things, the Texans rank number 27 overall in the league in their run defense, according to PFF. So I think Jonathan Taylor, you know, I think he will be able to have his way in this game. And the positive game script with the Colts being big favorites, I think that's only going to lend itself there to Jonathan Taylor really getting it going on the ground here. Um, so that, that, that's where I'm going to look overall. It, it's, it sucks that, you know, we don't see a clear edge in the projections versus the prop line, but I do lean towards the over on his rushing right now. Um, when it comes to the, the, the Texans, it's just really tough to figure out their offense. I mean, Mark Ingram, you know, he, he's a guy that they want to feed him the ball and give him carry sleeping. And if you think that the Texans can hang around in this game, then I, I think the over on Mark Ingram's rushing attempts at nine and a half is a really good bet. It's, it's showing as as a positive EV bet right now, uh, using the Fantasy Labs uh, Fantasy Projections tool, where that we've got him projected there for twelve carries in this game, and that and that's a solid bet when you're looking at nine and a half rushing attempts for Mark Ingram. His his rushing attempt share in this offense has gone up now for consecutive weeks at sixty seven percent last week, getting sixty seven percent of the running back carries in this offense. Uh, in three of the in three of the five games of the Texans this year, he's had twenty six carries. 14 carries and 16 carries. But then the other two games, he only had six carries because they were blown out by Buffalo and blown out by Carolina, who also has a really good run defense. So uh, it's really tough for me to want to play any overs uh, for the Texans right now. Uh, But that's kind of where I'm looking overall. I mean, you you see guys like Phillip Lindsay getting phased out of the offense. I wish I could play unders on him. I don't see anything on the board. Uh, And then Brandon Cooks. I mean, he's a guy that you want to buy into the talent, but 
it's just unfortunate that it's really hard to rely on a guy like him when he's playing with a quarterback as inexperienced as Davis Mills is. Now, we've, we've seen consecutive weeks now of Brandon Cooks. His targets have gone down in consecutive weeks. His targets per route run percentage, his average at the target, his air yard share in the offense, all those things have gone down as the Texans are trying to figure things out on the fly until they get Tyrod Taylor back. So um, that's how I see this game playing out. It's hard for me to invest in any Texans player unless I'm going under. And then I think even though the projections don't show us a good bet, I'm still willing to bet on Jonathan Taylor to to really dominate on the ground in this ballgame. I'm certainly not opposed to that Ingram play either. I think that that this game probably will remain close for for a decent amount of time, that it's not going to turn into a blowout. And I don't know if you want to take Davis Mills on the road and put the game in his hands. You know, maybe maybe Houston could just make it chippy enough to where, you know, they keep Wentz and that offense off the field. And look, I think there's a really good chance, Chris, too, that if this game doesn't get crazy out of hand, that maybe they just feed Ingram a lot and you're sitting at the end of the first quarter where, you know, he's got five, six, seven carries, you know, maybe within a drive or two. That wouldn't be, you know, that, that I don't think that would be, you know, too much to ask for. Uh, to be honest with you. Let's jump over to Green Bay and Chicago. My Green Bay Packers are going to be laying five and a half points here. Uh, we got a total of 44 and a half. Devontae Adams, uh, that would be my guy. But what do you make of the of the running back situation right now, Chris, with, with the Bears? Uh, my buddy went ahead. He took that Herbert guy, and I watched him last week. And, I, I you know, I was, you know, a little skeptic of, of what this guy could do. But he looked pretty damn good to me. So maybe I'll go ahead and use him this week in, in some way, shape, or form. It looks like, you know, according to the line that, you know, this game's not going to be a blowout. I mean, 44 points in it for a total, but Green Bay's only laying five and a half, and they are on the road. And you got to assume Chicago's got to come in here more than likely probably ultra-motivated. The fact that they have a winning record to me is is shocking, but... You know, they're not down and they're not out yet. So they're playing, you know, half-decent football, at least defensively. But um, I, I do want to know what your thoughts are on Herbert. Uh, as far as Green Bay is concerned, it would probably just be Adams for me. I mean, he's, you know, kind of seems like an ATM machine to me. So what do you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, these are two of the slowest offenses in the league. And now we have the Packers coming off a, a nice win in overtime against the Bengals on the road. Now they have another road game, this time a divisional game here. And, you know, I really think the Packers just want to come out of here with a win. And, and you know that better than anybody. But anybody as a lifelong Packers fan, they're sleepy. I mean, right now they're kind of in the driver's seat in that division at 4-1. and one. I think the Bears are – a lot of people would think they're very fortunate or lucky to even have a winning record right now at 3-2. and two. They really haven't shown much uh, offensively or defensively throughout their games this season. But uh, – when you look at week five, the Packers and Bengals, I mean, they stayed under the point total for that game despite it going into overtime there. Uh, Green Bay has the league's third slowest situation neutral pace. So you're talking about this game, and the Bears rank right along them in, in that department too. So you're, you're going to see a lowered amount of snaps, a lowered amount of offensive play, uh, offensive plays on both sides of the ball. And I, I think to me that just points to unders in this game in the passing department, especially with the Bears. I mean, the Bears playing at home, They've been trying to protect Justin Fields and not open up the offense for him. And, and he uh, had a little bit of a knee injury last week. So he's coming in this game with a sore knee, probably not 100%. Um, you know, we hit the under on his passing attempts uh, last week, Sleepy, where I think the under was the over-under was 30 and a half. And he only attempted 20 passes. Look, that wasn't a win. I, I grant you that. But even if Chicago falls behind in this game, I don't know 
if they're still going to let Justin Fields throw the ball 30 times, I still would lean towards the under on his passing attempts. It's set at 30 and a half again. Um, I just don't see that. With as slow as the Packers like to run things, which is slow as the Bears like to run things, given the Bears are at home, I think they're going to rely on the ground game and rely on the defense to try to at least make this game competitive here. So that's the first place I look for the Bears. And then with the Packers, I brought this up on our uh, preview podcast with Uncle Dave and with Steve, avoid the big, is that I, I like Aaron Jones over his rushing yards. We gave that out in our Discord channel uh, for our subscribers earlier in the week at 53 and a half. I now see some books laying 57 and a half, 58 and a half. I, I do like him to crack at least 60 yards uh, in this game. I, I mean, Aaron Jones is a guy who the Packers haven't really needed to rely on that much this year. But when you look at what he's been able to do just in the last month since that anomaly game against the Saints in week one, Aaron Jones has had 67, 82, and then played the Steelers, one of the top five run defense in the league, at 48 yards. Then last week at 103 yards. So you're seeing 67-plus yards in three out of the last four games for Aaron Jones against the 20th-ranked run defense with the Bears. Uh, I, I'm, that's the only place I can look for an over is with the Green Bay running backs possibly even double dipping and playing Aaron Jones over his rushing yards and playing A.J. Dillon over his rushing yards, uh, which is very low at the moment, too, at just 26 and a half on DraftKings. And we're, we're projecting him for around 36, 37 yards, close to 40 yards in this game. So those are the two places I'm looking. I like the Green Bay running backs, and I'm trying to fade the Bears passing attack as much as I can. All right, so I'll stuff on that game there. Hopefully my Green Bay Packers go ahead and take care of business there. Let's jump over to Kansas City. Let's jump over to Washington. Washington, they're going to be catching six and a half points here at home, Chris. A high total in this one, 55. Uh, probably not much of a shock to you because both of these defenses have been absolutely terrible this year. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like this is probably like a McLaurin type of game, like where he has one of those monsters. And maybe this is even like a Tyree Killer or, or Kelsey game, you know, where they have one of those monsters. I do have to ask you a question though. And and you, I believe that you've probably done this many a times before and like you're going to pick a game out and you're going to be like, "You know what? We can play so many people over in a particular game because nobody's going to stop these, you know, these particular quarterbacks and these teams from going up and down the field." Like at some point do you do you find yourself uh with a game let's just say like like this? to where maybe you have like six, seven guys and you just, you have them all over and you're just like going, you know, if this ends up at one of those, you know, 35, 31 type games or, you know, 41, 37 type games, like everything's cashing. Does this game kind of fit that mold for you as like one of those kind of games or not? You know, for fantasy, I absolutely want to stack this game in DFS. I mean, I think that you're going to see the most passing volume uh, or passing efficiency, let me say. I think that you're going to see passing efficiency on Kansas City side, and I believe you're going to see a lot of passing volume on Washington side in this game here. I mean, these are two of the worst secondaries in the NFL by far. You have the Chiefs coming off, you know, arguably one of Patrick Mahomes' worst games of his career uh, last week against the Bills on primetime, and now they're facing a Washington secondary that's been torched by everybody. They're ranked 30th in coverage grade by PFF. Kansas City's ranked 24th themselves. Um, you know, and the good thing about Washington, at least, is that they're one of the top-rated teams in terms of their blocking. They're a number one overall in pass blocking, top 10 overall in run blocking. So they're at home. I think they're going to have their way as well. Uh, obviously, I trust Mahomes to be much more efficient than Heineke. I think he'll need less pass attempts in order to get it done. 
Um, there's a couple props that I like in this game, Sleepy. Uh, one of the props that I like is uh, Daryl Williams. I like him over 10 and a half rushing attempts. The line is now, we gave this out to our subscribers in our Discord. The line is now 11 and a half at, at plus 100, even money. I actually do like that as well. Uh, if you throw out week five, which is obviously we just talked about the Chiefs lost week five to the Bills by like 20 points. Um, Daryl Williams and the Chiefs, they back, they, they've been giving carries to the running backs. Uh, last year in the playoffs when Daryl Williams had to start over CEH, he carried the ball 13 times in each of those games. And when you look at the Chiefs running back rush attempts from weeks one to four, 16, 16, 24 rush attempts in week three. 25 rush attempts for the running backs in week five in week four excuse me and I expect that to continue and I expect Daryl Williams to handle at least 70 maybe even 75 percent of the team's running back rush attempts in this game so with the only other running back options that had to handle carries being Jarek McKinnon who's a third down back who's injury prone and a fullback named Michael Burton uh, I, I think Daryl Williams to me right now we've got him projected for around 13 14 carries I really liked it at 10 and a half at minus 105. It's now 11 and a half at even money. I like that as well. Uh, and then with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs secondary, coming into last week, they were number one in the NFL in giving up uh, pass completions of 20 plus yards. My favorite prop for Terry McLaurin, not just playing his yards over, which I do strongly lean to the over on his yards right now, even though it's pretty high at 80. Uh, I really like Terry McLaurin longest reception over 25 and a half. Uh, He's hit this total sleepy in three of three games when not facing defensive backs named Marshawn Lattimore and James Bradbury. So you looked at what the Bills did. I mean, Josh Allen had to throw the ball like 20 times barely to do what he did last week. He completed like 30-plus yard completions to Dawson Knox, Emmanuel Sanders, and to Stephon Diggs. And the Chiefs have allowed uh, 30-plus completions, uh, receptions, completed to guys like David Njoku, Anthony Schwartz from the Browns, Jarvis Landry. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I, I think for me, if I had to pick which one I like, I actually like his longest reception over the most. I mean, he's coming off a game where if you look at the box score, it looks like he had a bad game. He had 11 targets and 163 air yards. Now he's at home facing the Chiefs. So uh, to me, I'm all over Terry McLaurin. I really like the longest reception over 25 and a half. And I also do like the yards over. And I really want to stack this game and include Terry McLaurin in that stack with probably Kansas City seeing how Tyreek Hill shake, uh, shakes out. Uh, I'm willing to spend on an expensive cheese stack because it's going to be low owned by the field and the ceiling is going to be massive in this game. I do have to ask you one question and it comes down to my season long fantasy league. And I noticed that a lot of people are clamoring to go ahead and get Ricky Seals Jones. And there could be a reason for this and I can explain it to you. And Maybe you could tell me why people are clamoring over Ricky Seals-Jones right now. Uh, Obviously, we know Logan Thomas is out, but it seems like a lot of people were going after him this week. Is it just because of the Kansas City defense is that bad, or do you actually see something, or do you think that they're seeing something in Seals-Jones that potentially could have, you know, some value, you know, for the rest of the season? It's it's honestly both. I've got Ricky Seals-Jones ranked number nine overall this week. Uh, my fantasy rankings, they're always free every week. They're live on the bettingpredators.com website. I've got him a one spot behind Hunter Henry and one spot ahead of Mike Kosicki. Uh, I mean, look, the tight end competition's really not, not that much once you get outside the top three guys, Kelsey Waller and Andrews. I mean, I got Knox four, Fant five, Schultz six. So 
you know, it doesn't say that much that he's ranked number nine overall. But when you look at what he's done in this offense now, his routes have gone up in consecutive weeks to 87% of the routes run last week. He, he's he's 100% filling the role left behind by Logan Thomas. And Sleepy, he might be a better tight end than Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was a converted quarterback, doesn't have the, the, the biggest athletic tools when it comes to his explosiveness. Seals Jones has that athleticism, and he's only 26 years old. He's a young athletic tight end who, who's never really gotten a chance to really uh, kind of grow into his own in the league. Uh, had a targets per route run last week rate of 20%. Saw 24% of the targets in that offense, 13% of the air yards. We look for elite tight ends in fantasy to run at least 80% or more routes, and he was almost at 90% of the routes. So in this type of game, the highest over-under on the board for week six, uh, with the Chiefs being favorites, which is going to probably put Washington needing to, to throw in a trailing negative game script, uh, I really do like Ricky Seals-Jones a lot. Uh, in this game. So I, I think to me, yeah, top 10 tight end option. He's going to be the chalk in DFS. Like everyone's going to own Ricky Seals Jones in DFS because he's just going to be that cheap. But in a cash game lineup at $3,000, I think you almost have to put him in there. You know, what's funny is that I saw people like, you know, with some massive bids for him going into, you know, going into this week and I'm sitting there and I'm like, why would they bid so much money? And then I have to think about what I did with my team. Now, you could probably explain this a little bit better, Chris, but I'm in one of those leagues where the tight ends get a point and a half per catch. So here's what I did, and this was my thinking. So I went in and I'm like, I want to get as many tight ends as I can. I want to clear out like, all right, yeah, so, you know, Hawkinson's going to go. All those guys are all going to go. You know, all the top top guys are all going to go. And then you're going to be left with that second tier. And you know that like that second tier of guys who, do, who don't get drafted, eventually they're getting streamed or they're going to get picked up at some point because people are going to realize like, oh, you know, uh, Jack Doyle didn't pan out or whatever. So what I did is I went in and I drafted eight tight ends in my league. So I have all of them. I have like every tight end that, that like it, I have Dawson Knox. I have Conklin. I got I got a ton of guys. So I believe what I did in in a sense was I took all these tight ends off the board in that particular league to where, you know, as as the season goes on, like tight ends are going to go down. People are going to be searching for them, and they're going to be left with guys like, I don't even want to say Dan Arnold because I got Dan Arnold, but you're going to be left with like second string tight ends, you know, Ian Thomas's of the world. So that's what I did, and I felt like maybe that's why. Ricky Seals Jones went for like a monster price in that league because there was literally nothing left uh, in the tight end um, pool. So that's kind of what I did. I, I, I'm guessing you probably picked up on exactly what I said, but do you want to talk on that a little bit on, on maybe that strategy on maybe how that could work or backfire on me? Well, I, I think you're 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 playing to the to the settings of your league. You're draft you're formulating your draft strategy to your league scoring settings, which is that's what you need to do. We talked about that. How many times when we did our preseason fantasy football podcast, Sleepy? I mean, that's that's what you need to do. You have to know your league settings, know your league rules. And that's FFPC.com, which is one of the most popular fantasy football season-long platforms out there. They do best ball and everything. But their their scoring system is tight end premium, where it's one and a half points per tight end reception. So that makes the tight end position very valuable. I'm in, I'm, I have a team there where I've been ravaged by injuries with guys like Jerry Judy, Michael Gallup, et cetera. Uh, I'm right at the top in the playoff hunt because with my first pick in the end of the first round, I took Darren Waller and then sleep. You know what I did in the second round? 
is that everyone left Kyle Pitts at the end of the second round. I took him. And then the fourth round, I took Mark Andrews. So I'm literally starting Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and uh, and Darren Waller every single week. And it's it's working out pretty well after, after a couple weeks slow start in the beginning. But yeah, it's just another example of playing to, to the scoring format of your league and knowing all the settings and scoring format rules and everything that goes into that. But Ricky Seals-Jones, man, um, I was looking at the Fantasy Labs board that doesn't have every player listed, but I just opened up the full odds board for this game. It's going to be really hard for me not to want a double dip prop on Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, you know, he's just a name. He hasn't done it long enough, but the matchup is like 10 times better than it was last week. Again, again his routes have gone up in consecutive weeks now. And they're at home. It's just that, like, we're going to see Washington throw against this team. This is one of the worst secondaries in the Chiefs. And to me, if he had five catches on nine targets for 41 yards against the Saints in his last game, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doubles that this week. I'm not trying to get too overboard with it, but 34 and a half yards to me for Steels Jones, way too low. And then you look at his uh, total receptions. I think I saw that at plus money. Uh, yeah, plus 105 on Caesars right now. If you can play Ricky Seals-Jones over three and a half. I actually like the catches more than I like the yards, being that short area target. I mean, they're going to be without Curtis Samuel. It's going to be Terry McLaurin on the outside, Ricky Seals-Jones, and then Adam freaking Humphreys running out of the slot. And then guys like DeAndre Carter and Deami Brown, like a no-name guy they sign off the street. And then a rookie who's really struggled, who's banged up in his own right this week. So I really like the prop overs on Seals Jones and any type of cash game lineup, 50-50, head-to-head, double up that you're playing. I feel like you almost have to lock Seals Jones in there for the price. All right. Well, I'm glad I asked you about that, Chris, because that's why you're here. (laughs) So you can help me out and help everybody else out. But that's cool. I'm glad you you broke that down a little bit for us. Uh, Let's jump over to our next game here. Uh, what do we got? We got the Rams and we have the Giants. Giants are going to be catching a big number here at home, plus 10 guys. And we also have a high total on this one, too, 48 and a half. Uh, right now, the Giants are, you know, they're walking wounded, Chris. You know that. I mean, the quarterback's banged up, running back's banged up, multiple wide receivers banged up. I don't know even know who to look at in this one, but I'm guessing that you probably found a couple guys that you're probably looking at, you know, no-name guys on the Giants. And um, you know, sometimes you're going to get value and it's like, well, yeah, you get these couple no name guys or, you know, backup quarterback, backup running back. Like um, we can guys like you are going to be able to sniff out, you know, where the production is going to be, you know, who's going to get the snap percentage. So my gut feeling says and I and, you know, you and I don't talk before we do this podcast. My gut feeling says that there's a Giants guy somewhere in there that you are looking at um, going ahead and attacking. And as far as the Rams go, I don't necessarily know what you're going to do. I don't know if you're looking at Cup again, but um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about that. What are you thinking? Well, it's it's hard to bet anything right now in this game because we just don't know. I mean, it's like it looks like everything's like a coin flip, whether it's going to be Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton. I think they all got in limited practices today, which is a good sign for their availability on Sunday, but – it's still too early in the week, and that's why you don't see any props available for a lot of the – I think the only prop I see available for a Giants player is Devontae Booker rushing yards. And I'm not going to run to the ticket counter and bet Devontae Booker over 46-and-a-half when he's going to play against one of the top-run defenses in the league in the Los Angeles Rams. The PFF has him rated as the number one rush defense in the NFL. So no thanks on that one for me. Uh, honestly, like, I would lean under except for the fact that, like, 
they just might run the ball a lot because there's they don't want to hurt Daniel Jones and drop him back too much against Aaron Donald and his defense. So uh, that's kind of my overall thoughts for the Giants side of things. I'm not sure where I want to attack because, you know, there's going to be a lot of – if all those guys wind up playing, it's a lot of mouths to feed against a good defense and a banged-up quarterback as well. So uh, maybe you look unders across the board for even a guy like Tony uh, Shepard and Slayton. I'd be really interested to see what they line Tony at given what he did last week, almost getting 200 yards. Uh, but everything's that, – that was like a very, very unique situation last week with all those guys being injured. Uh, so I, I'm not going to overreact to that, even though I think he's a hell of a talent. I mean, he looks great on the field watching him play. Um, you know, for me, like I'm really hoping all those Giants guys play sleepy because if they do, then I do like Matthew Stafford over on the passing yards. Uh, he's projected for like close to 300. I think the line has him at like 283 and a half. Um, you know, more often than not, when you run the projections, he's easily getting over 300 yards. Uh, they have a great uh, mismatch in terms of their pass blocking versus the pass rush for the Giants. And this is an offense that wants to throw the ball. And Daryl Henderson's been nicked up the last couple of weeks in each of his games. They're going on the road here. Uh, you know, as long as all those guys wind up playing for the Giants, I will be looking to Matthew Stafford over in the passing yards. And I'll probably lean for now to Daryl Henderson over on the rushing yards and might even lean – to Sony Michelle and playing them both over because I think they don't want to, if this is a game, they're going to blow out the giants. I, I just don't know if they want to run their best running back into the ground. Who's he's been, he's like left games with like Nixon, and Max bruises and stuff over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if they want to put him in danger, giving him a too much of a workload in this matchup here. So uh, that's my overall thought sleepy. That's where I'm going to look for now. Uh, we've seen guys like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. They're all very involved in this offense. Van Jefferson's getting nice shots down the field, even though he didn't produce much last week. Tyler Higby, he's running about 80% of the routes. Uh, he just has a lot of competition for targets at, with Cup and Woods at the top. So um, it's tough to really rely on. I, had a, I have a 14-team league where I picked up Dawson Knox, and I dropped Higby to waivers this week. I mean, he's just – He's an average tight end at best right now because there's just so many mouths to feed in this offense. I don't see him being that top 10 locked in option at tight end uh, every single week unless he scores a touchdown, which is very hard to predict week to week. So uh, that's my thoughts overall. You know, uh, again, Stafford passing yards if the Giants guys, mostly Daniel Jones plays and maybe even look to Devontae Booker under the rushing yards. All right. So I think you mentioned something. I don't know if you missed smoke or not, Chris, but there was what I was thinking about was maybe playing Daryl Henderson under his rushing and receiving yards. You said you, you liked him maybe over his rushing yards, but my thought was that like they're laying 10 points in this game. And if like, I have a feeling like this is a game like where you can go ahead and you can get more run out of Sony Michelle than, you know, like why are you going to have Henderson out there, you know, trying to run wild and getting a ton of snaps in this one? Like why not just use as much as Michelle as you possibly can um, and if you need to go ahead and use Stafford in his arm, well, then go ahead and do that. Um, that's just my thought is if, if this game is like well in hand, we probably see a, a lot of Sony Michelle. Like, is it worth playing him over his 30 and a half rushing yards? Like, I, I feel like why not? Um, maybe the books are looking at this like it's a like are, like are, they're probably not going to know necessarily what the snap percentage is, you know, for either of these guys. But. I'm guessing as time goes on, Chris, they're going to figure it out and say, look, 10 point lines. Here's, you know, uh, you know, you're running back one, you're running back two. Here's what we should probably line them at. But 30 seems low to me for him. I would look more towards Sony Michelle stuff than, than uh, Henderson, but that's me. So what do you think? 
Yeah, well, you know, Michelle, if when when Henderson was healthy before he got hurt in that game last week, he was playing almost all the snaps in that offense. So my only the only reason I would the logical reasoning the process to Michelle would be like, hey, look, like this game could get ugly, it could get out of hand. You know, why risk your your best running back on the roster when you don't need to? And and that's what be like, hey, you know what? We're gonna win this game by double digits. We're gonna win by two touchdowns or more. Let's give Michelle some work to kill the clock in the second half. And in that case, if that if that winds up working out, then twenty five and a half yards is is the ultimate overplay for sure. Uh, if, if Daniel Jones winds up playing, the Giants are back at home, and all these guys play Tony Shepard Slayton, then I would probably rather look to Henderson over the rushing yards. That that's because mm-hmm. if it's going to be a competitive game, but it's just it's too early in the week to know. I, I really want to monitor the health reports and see like. Did these guys get a full practice in on Friday? How are they looking? Are any of them game time decisions for Sunday? Is Daniel Jones really going to play? There's still a chance he does not play. So that's my thought. I could go one way or the other, depending on how all that shakes out. So basically what you're saying here is that as they start ticking guys off for the Giants, if they do start ticking guys off, you know, that 25 and a half. And what book was that at? That's the the one we really want to attack. You know, if Jones is out and maybe Galladay and Slayton and all those guys, you know, if, if they all end up being out, we want to run to the counter to go get that 25 and a half right on, on Sony Michelle. Yeah, you can get it minus 115 at Caesars and then DraftKings has minus 120. Pinnacle's got minus 119. So all around that same range. There's, a, there's a, I think, five at least five books that have is that 25 and a half right now. All right, so I'll break down there. Chris, let's jump over to our next game here. We have your Cincinnati Bengals against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions going to be catching three and a half here at home. Total of 47. Chris, I got to be honest with you. You know how much I, I've been positive here with your Bengals, uh, rooting for them each and every week to go ahead and, and pull games out and win. And, uh, you know, I try to talk to you about Burrow and and, and be as positive I can about your Bengals uh, over the first couple of weeks. But I do have to say this. I actually think that this is probably going to be the game that the Lions win. And I believe it really comes down to, I, I think it really comes down to heart. I think it comes down to um, just anger because I feel like if you watch the Lions press conference with Dan Campbell the other day, um, that dude was literally in tears and he was like, it sucks. He's like, you want to win. And he was like, and you feel like, like, we've had so many wins just ripped out of us this, you know, ripped away from us this year. And look, that's going to happen. That happens with bad teams, bad teams, find ways to lose and good teams, you know, find ways to win, but generally bad teams find ways to lose. So um, is Detroit bad? Yeah, they're bad, but look, that team's scrappy and they're going out there and they're playing each and every week. You know, they're giving their all and at home, not only do I think, do I think that you're going to give their all, but I have a feeling that that team is going to be the most motivated team coming into this week and probably the most angry team coming into this week. And I don't know if I want to go up against that, um, even even though I'm super optimistic on this Bengals team and, and what they can do. Uh, I believe they are a good football team. And I think that, you know, that they're certainly alive to go ahead and make the playoffs. But this game here sets up for – I think Detroit to get their first win. So I'll take them with the plus three and a half. I'll sprinkle a little bit on the money line in this game. Uh, as far as player props are concerned, I'm guessing, Chris, we probably see, you know, a couple overs in this one, you know, a couple guys targeted. Uh, there is a total of 47 in this one. So 
I'm not as optimistic as I've been with the Bengals, Chris, over the last couple of weeks. But I do, I, I, I really, really do like the Lions um, quite a bit this week. So with all that said, um, that's where I'm at. How you feeling? It's it's about time, Sleepy. I'm like, my, I'm like, you're trying, you're trying to like be my cheerleader every week. Like, hey, it's okay. The Bengals are gonna be all right. And I'm sitting here like, hey, what did I tell you from the offseason? I was like, if the Bengals go six and eleven, I'm gonna be a happy Bengals fan as long as Joe Burrow doesn't hurt his knee again this season. I mean, that's where I'm at as a Bengals fan. I was born in 1988, Sleepy. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since like the year I was born. So let's just say my expectations are are tempered from uh, from year to year. Uh, you know, we, we can get into that another day. We've talked, we've talked about that plenty in past podcasts, but uh, here, here's my prop, Sleepy. The first one, I just want to get this out of the way first because this is one of the notes I had from last week. Um, Jamar Chase, he had a long catch of 70 yards last week, had 159 yards total. Jamar Chase had a 34-plus yard reception in every game this year. Uh, I'm not overthinking it. Lions, 32nd, dead last in coverage grade, according to PFF. Play Jamar Chase longest reception over twenty six and a half. I'm playing that. that that's I, I, you got to play that. I mean, he's the big threats there. T Higgins is back in the offense, which I think will keep uh, opposing secondaries a little bit honest. And hey, if, if, if you're thinking the Lions are going to come out and compete here and uh, force the Bengals need to throw a little bit in the second half, then that that's even, that's even more reason to like Chase over on that prop specifically. Uh, I lean towards the over on his receiving yards right now, but I do. I think the longest reception prop to me is like that's the number I want to put my most in terms of my unit size, maybe a unit and a half on that compared to a normal size, you know, just full one unit bet. So that's my favorite prop for this game uh, right now. DeAndre Swift's nicked up. Um, Joe Mixon hasn't even practiced in a limited capacity so far this week. Uh, there's a possibility that Joe Mixon doesn't play. I know he played last week, but. He was outsnapped, outproduced by Samaj P. Ryan in every area of the field. And now Samaj P. Ryan's on the COVID list. So they, they've got a, a rookie named Chris Evans who they took in a sixth round for a Michigan guy uh, who actually a couple of years ago was, was considered a, an elite prospect coming into college. Um, you know, he could wind up being the only running back left standing this week uh, on the road in Detroit. So I think that uh, you, you want to keep your eye on that situation when it comes to the Bengals. Uh, because if you're playing cash games, like I said, 50-50s, head-to-heads, double-ups, et cetera, you know, Chris Evans is the, is the stone minimum, you know, $4,000. You can't get any cheaper than that for a running back on draft games. And he's a guy that's had multiple catches uh, in game in every single game, I believe, this season for Cincinnati, no matter what the situation's been ahead of him. So uh, if Pirine comes back and Mixon misses, I love Samaji Pirine in this game. Uh, he's only 4900 on DraftKings. And I will be looking to some of their props over as well in both rushing and receiving. But um, that's kind of my overall thoughts in this game. Uh, Steve Reeder, avoid the VIG. He's a big part of our NFL premium content package. He gave out earlier this week, which I play I really liked, that plus money or right at even money. I think it was plus 105, plus 100, was Amon Ross St. Brown over four and a half catches. Uh, no more Quintess Cephas in this offense. Now this line has moved to about minus 130, minus 135. So it's moved in our direction, which is good. Um, St. Brown, the last two games, has had 16 targets, 13 catches, 135 yards. Uh, this is a rookie who had some good press around him in the offseason, struggled to get it going earlier in the year. Uh, but Tyrell Williams is still not a part of this offense yet. Cephas now is gone. Uh, St. Brown like might be the number one guy because Hawkinson's been playing with an injury the last month now, and he's really been – been struggling to produce how he was really early in the season. 
Uh, I think St. Brown, I, I would definitely look to play the over on his receptions, although I hate that we lost. I, I wouldn't want to pay the minus 130. If anything, I would go to bet online, go to their prop builder tool, see what you can get for over five and a half catches. Because again, like I said, he's had 13 catches in the last two games. Uh, this Bengals secondary is nothing that scares me here, especially with St. Brown playing a lot of snaps out of the slot. If you can switch that from getting like minus 135, I'd rather play five and a half catches at like plus 130. So see what you can get on something like that. When it comes to like those juice, you know, that type of VIG, I always look to the offshore books and, and try to see who can offer me that alternate line and, and, and get plus money in my favor. So overall, those are my thoughts in the game. I'm not going to lean one way or the other in terms of the side. Uh, the Bengals, to me, they're an average team at best, which is, for me as a Bengals fan, makes me happy because they came into the season with a very low win total, and I'm glad Burrow's still healthy. I love Jamar Chase as a prospect. He could be the best receiver in the NFL within a couple of years' time. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a tough test for them. They've got winnable games on the schedule with Jacksonville and Detroit over their ne- you know two of their next three games. Or not Jacksonville, the, the Jets. Uh, so I'm hoping they get both those wins and come out of this, you know, five and three after eight games. That would be great. But uh, Jamar Chase, to me, uh, uh, he's deep threat down the field. Every week that he gets under under his belt with Burrow is going to be a step in the right direction. So I really love that longest reception over. I, I, I'd play it at 29 and a half if I had to, but it's at 26 and a half right now. All right. Well, I got to tell you that you're wrong, 100% wrong. There's no way in hell that the Bengals are average. They're not. There's no way. They were getting two and a half points at home. That line closed two and a half points at home against Green Bay. They could have won that game twice. So I don't. I, I honestly don't see how that team's average. So again, I gotta. I gotta try to prop you up again. Try to tell you that that the Bengals are a little bit better than than you, than you think they are. If you're gonna be happy with a six and ten record this year. Um, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I don't even have I don't even have words for that. I I think maybe nine wins, maybe eight. You know, maybe in that area, then maybe be happy. But six and ten, I would be, I would be. I'm going to be disappointed if they finish six and ten. So that that's you know it goes without it, saying. It's, but. it's like a it's this like deep rooted psychological mind game I've been playing with myself over the last five years. That's Listen, like, dude. I refuse. I can't hurt myself. So I just can't get hurt anymore as a Bengals fan. I, I, I just got to keep it in check, man. I got to, I got to keep it together here. You're trying to keep it real, but you got to keep it real too. And remember that the red rifle is not there anymore. There, it's a whole new regime. So um, that was a traumatic experience. This right, and that's Marvin Lewis. Those last five years, they should have been gone five years before they left. So I'm, I'm very happy that that's not the case anymore. You know what? You are right about that. You are right about that when it comes to the Bengals. Marvin Lewis should have been gone way before that. All right, enough talking about that. But let's go ahead and stay in that in that division. Let's talk about the Ravens. Uh, they're going to be here at home, Chris. They're, they're laying two and a half points here to the Chargers. Chargers are going to make cross-country trip here. We have a high total on this one, Chris, at 51. I'm going to make one player prop in this one wager, <clears throat> and it's going to be Mark Andrews over his receiving yards of 60 and a half. You know, I got to go back to last week, and I looked at Andrews, and I'm like, hmm, hasn't really been used a whole hell of a lot this entire year. And then it seemed like he had, like, that breakout game. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's that's Jackson's kind of, um, you know, comfort blanket right now. But I think they go right back to him, Chris. Like, why not? Like, he was the guy that was moving the chains at the end of the game when the game was on the line. It was like, 
instead of using him at the end of the game, you know, and I, I, look, he got some touches early in the game and in the middle, but you know, it's like they really went to him, you know, at the end when they needed him. Well, they might not have been in that in that situation, you know, had they used him more. So I think he probably has maybe one of his biggest production games of the year. Certainly, I think he sees probably maybe the most targets that um, he might see all year in this game. So I'll do that. I'll play the over 60 and a half. I think he's due for a big, big game. Uh, I would even look at some touchdown props with him too. Maybe go ahead and play him there. I think he just sees a ton of targets this week, Chris. Um, and look, I think we're still buying low on him. I believe he came into the season as, 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 a, as a guy that, that you would have had to buy high. But, you know, he was kind of a non-factor for, for a couple games there. And I feel like maybe we are getting him um, low. But after what I saw last week, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to buy him, uh, why not just do it right now in a game that has a really high total? So uh, I'll do that. That's where I'm at with that game. It's the only player prop I really like in that one. So I'll give you that one. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fade Mark Andrews by any means. He's, you know, one of the most talented tight ends in the league. And we're seeing this is a new Ravens offense. We talked about this on the podcast with Uncle Dave and and Steve uh, the other night that I, I like Lamar Jackson as a passer this year. I mean, I've, I've been dogging this guy. I've been dogging this guy for years. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to run away from the take that I had, but I can admit now that he's a different type of passer. When you see him in this offense, he's throwing the ball accurately to all levels of the field. And there's no coincidence that now we've seen his passing yards go up in five straight weeks from 235 in week one to 442 career high last week against the Colts, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, His completions have gone up for three straight weeks. His attempts have gone up for four straight weeks. And I think it's, it's a, it's the perfect storm for the Ravens because you mentioned the running back injuries. And that was a reason sleepy. You like that prop. I mean, you look, you like that prop prop all the way back in week one was, was Lamar Jackson over his passing yards. But to me, it's the defense, man, the Ravens defense, they rank number 22 overall in coverage grade against the Colts, they looked like even worse than that. I mean, they could not stop Carson Wentz getting first down after first down, third down conversions to save their life. I don't even know how they wound up coming out of that game with a win, but they did. But I think that just goes to show that as much as they might want to lean on the ground game and the defense like they have in years past, they just can't do it. They, they can't do it anymore. Uh, I think this game is going to play out, honestly, exactly like last week's Chargers-Browns game did. because. Tell me how much, like, to me, almost the the Browns and the Ravens are almost identical of each other. They want to run the ball. They want to rely on their defense. The only problem is, is that the Browns have really good running backs and they have a, they have a solid defense. The Ravens, on the other hand, I don't think they're, they're going to be able to stop Justin Herbert from doing anything he wants in this game. So that all goes to say, they're going to be in a position where they're going to need to throw and put up points in this game. So I think the passing yards total because of all the years of Lamar Jackson going under, 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 under passing, it's still not being set high enough. And I'm seeing like a 15 close to 20 point uh, difference in the projection to what the line is. So I still, I know we disagreed on that on the podcast, but I still do like Lamar Jackson over on his passing yards and uh, Marquise Brown. He's had a 29 yard plus reception in uh, in every single game this season. So just like we talked about with Jamar Chase, I like Marquise Brown over 23 and a half longest reception. I know the Chargers are one of the better teams in limiting the long play, but the amount of volume and looks that Marquise Brown is going to see down the field, 
I expect that he's going to cash in because he might be one of the top five receivers in the NFL right now in the separation he's getting on those deep routes. So uh, he's had a 37 plus yard reception in four straight games, 29 plus yard reception in every single game, five of five, 91 yards or more receiving in three of the last four games. So although I do think the Chargers will try to bait the Ravens into running, and I think guys like you know Latavius Murray might have some success on the ground this uh, this week, uh, I still think that Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson are going to get it done, as, as will Mark Andrews. So th- that's where I'm looking right now. Lamar is going to throw consistently and well, I think, and and so will Marquise Brown. And it's, it looks it looks like you know, you're on Andrews, I'm on Brown, I'm on Jackson. Uh, this is a game you want to stack because last week, Sleepy, like if you stack the Chargers and the Browns, you won all the money. Like it, we saw ninety, almost ninety points in that game. I don't see how this game can turn out much different from that. So I I think I'm going to try to go really heavy on the double. I might double stack Lamar with Marquise Brown and Andrews, bring back Mike Williams, or I could try to double stack Herbert with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and bring back either Andrews or Brown on the other side. So a double stack with a bring back is the exact type of stack I want to do to heavily invest myself in this game for uh, for DFS purposes. All right, good stuff. As you were talking, I was thinking, kind of thinking the same thing. Like as you started jumping on Brown, I'm like, yeah, maybe you want to go ahead and take Lamar here too. Just stack them up. Why not? And like you said, you know, this might be the game where you want to stack both sides. Let's jump over to our next game here, Chris. Uh, we have the Minnesota Vikings. We have Carolina Panthers, Carolina. They're going to be catching points here at home, Chris, plus two and a half. Uh, total right now in this one, uh, I think it, what was the hell was the total on this one? 45 and a half. Here's my thinking, is that the Vikings defense started out looking like garbage, and it's really turned up the last couple of weeks. I don't think they've allowed more than 17 points in the last three games. Look, I, I, I'm, I'll say it again. I don't think Sam Darnold's very good. I'm going to play him under his 261 passing yards right now on DraftKings. Obviously, I'll look for a better number. But I don't think this dude's good. I, I, I just I don't think he's all that good. He's missing receivers. Um, just he's not good. I, I honestly think he's going to be a backup quarterback next year um, on maybe a different team. So I'll play him under. I think the Vikings defense has finally kind of turned the corner, and this was the defense that um, I expected to see. Now, they played the Seahawks, they played the Browns, and they they played the Lions. But, I mean, there's two good offenses in there, um, you know, with with the Seahawks and the Browns. And and the Lions, you know, they've been putting up, you know, a decent amount of points in some of the games. And Carolina right now with, you know, with McCaffrey being questionable – I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I just. I don't see how the hell I can fade that defense right now. I think they're they're surging in the right direction, looking for a big win, looking for a big game. I think this game probably goes under. Um, that's just my my original feeling. But I'll play Donald under his two sixty one. I just don't like what I see from this guy. I, I don't think he's very long, you know, to be a starter in this league. So um, that's what I'll do for that game. I have no clue uh, right now with Minnesota. I was looking at KJ Osborne in uh in the season long. He was sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, before I go do that, I'll hit Chris up and see what he thinks about that. But he's just sitting there on the waiver wire now. You know, after he had some monster weeks, but his targets have been going down each and every week. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is with that. So, if you want to touch on that, touch on Darnold. But um, that's kind of the questions and and what I'm going to do for that one. 
no, the, the KJ Osborne uh, experiment was fun while it lasted. You can feel free to drop him to waivers. I think you got to be in like a, a really deep dynasty type of league in order to keep, I, I spent um, like close to 20% of my uh, free agent budget on Osborne. I think after week one, uh, because, you know, Hey, like second year receiver played in Miami was pretty good. There had a quiet rookie year. And I was like, Oh, could he be the third guy in this offense and in a pretty high powered passing attack? And, uh, unfortunately, we've seen his routes go down in three straight weeks now, down to 71%. So still still running a decent amount of routes, but he is losing routes and targets to D.D. Westbrook, which is uh, not something you want to see if you were excited about Osborne to start the year. Uh, Tyler Conklin's also been struggling. His targets have gone down in consecutive weeks now, down to 10%. Uh, Adam Thielen's targets have gone down to 10% in consecutive weeks. So what I like to look at when I, when I look at these trends is like three-week windows – and like basically looking at from weeks three, four, and five, what players have had their key metrics go down in in back to back weeks. So let's say Adam Thielen started week three with a twenty percent target share. Then that target share goes down to fifteen percent in week four, then down to ten percent in week five. I think you're starting to see trends that could wind up being a little sticky. And I'd rather bet on those three week samples than just look at last week's box score to try to guess, you know, whose usage is going up or down. It, and and maybe certain things could be a fluke that you might overlook or underlook in a certain way. Um, what I do like Sleepy a lot in this game actually is uh, I like Robbie Anderson over his receiving yards. Uh, it's set at 40 and a half. And I think in this type of game, I'm looking at a matchup to where I'm really not that scared of Minnesota secondary. I think DJ Moore will get the attention there. And Robbie Anderson, like, you know, we saw the coaches come out a couple weeks ago and say, they need to get this guy more involved in the offense. And, and we've seen him get more involved in the offense. He's basically made the rookie Terrace Marshall almost irrelevant in this passing attack here. Uh, Robbie Anderson, don't forget, like they, they brought in this guy and paid him last year. He's the highest paid receiver in this offense. I mean, as much as you want to say more should get paid more. The fact is like they they're going to get Robbie Anderson looks uh, and in a home game where, you know, Darnold's struggling He's going to look to his top receivers, which are going to be DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Uh, there, there's a buy low model uh, that one of the uh, DFS analysts from Establish the Run, which is that they're the best in the industry for DFS analysis when it comes to tournaments and stuff. Uh, they have a buy low model and Robbie Anderson's number one on the buy low model in terms of the air yards, opportunities and targets he's gotten over the last three weeks. Uh, his expected uh, production is really high. And that's when you want to buy low and buy that dip. So I, I, I like I like Robbie Anderson a lot in tournaments uh, for DFS this weekend. And I also like his over on the receiving yards as well because it's so low at, at 40 and a half there. We've seen Robbie Anderson's routes have gone up in three straight weeks now to 93% of the routes run in week five. His average depth of target is 15 yards. So you only need like one or two uh, completions to go his way for him to clear this total here. Um Wait and see what Dalvin Cook's situation is going to be. I'm not really sure right now, like where that's going. Uh, he didn't play last week. They have a bye. Ne- I think next week they have a bye, or two weeks from now. You know, will they choose to sit him out until the bye? I don't know. I think they might try to play him if they can. I know he really wants to play, but obviously, if he doesn't play, you're locking in Alexander Madison as like a top ten running back, no matter what format that you're in overall. So. That's my overall thoughts for this game. Uh, you know, Carolina's secondary to me is pretty solid. So I don't know if I want to play Justin Jefferson over. These are two offenses that like 
kind of like operate a little slower than the average team when it comes to their pass rate above expectation. So I'm, I'm worried this game could be an under game and it, it really kind of hesitates me from playing any lines over that are too high. That's, that's why I'm going to try to target any overs I play here are going to be low lines like Robbie Anderson, 40 and a half. I got to be honest with you, Chris. The last, the last player I thought you would mention on this podcast was D.D. Westbrook. I actually thought the guy was out of the league. Um, I, I mean, I knew he played, he was playing, but I'm just saying, coming into this year, I thought he was actually going to end up out of the league. That's hilarious. And that's scary that he's, you know, like being looked at as the number three wide receiver option right now in this offense. Let's jump over to an interesting game here. This might be the game of the week. Uh, you got the Cardinals, you got the Browns, high total in this one, 49. Uh, you know, all reports are saying right now that it's supposed to be extremely windy there. So maybe not exactly optimal for the passing attacks. Um, not a lot of props right now on this game, Chris. I'm not necessarily sure what's going on with this one. As of right now, I know that a lot of people, at least in DFS and season long, that that they might be looking at Njoku uh, after the week that he had. Uh, I noticed in my season long, people were gobbling him up, paying big prices too. Uh, very similar to the whole, you know, Ricky Seal Jones conversation that we were having. But if I were going to make one play in this one, Chris, and I don't see a line on this right now, but I I, I kind of just. What I would do is probably just play James Conner to go ahead and score a touchdown. He's like the vulture down there. He's getting a lot of red zone touches and, and punching in, you know, a couple of runs and into the end zone. Maybe I would do that uh, because I believe that we're probably going to see a lot of running in this game. Maybe that's it. I don't know what to make, you know, make a, make of this game right now. And there's not a whole hell of a lot of props for me to kind of go over right now. So um, that's what I would do. Interesting game, but. Right now, it'll be James Conner maybe to score a touchdown. That's probably about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chase Edmonds has been dealing with a shoulder injury the last couple weeks. Even Kyler Murray got a little dinged up last week, and he's apparently dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury himself, which worries me because I had him in a team last year, season-long league, where he hurt his shoulder. And we we, we saw some really down weeks from the passing attack in Arizona when his throwing motion wasn't right with that shoulder. So I'm hoping he's going to be okay. Uh, haven't gotten any reports yet that it's anything too serious. Um, but this is the same matchup for the Browns that they had last week against the Chargers. Like the Chargers were bottom five, bottom 10 run defense. The Chargers rank number 31 out of 32 teams. They're almost dead last in their run defensive grade by PFF. Um, so, you know, Steve was all over Nick Chubb. We gave that out in the discord for subscribers earlier this week over his rushing yards. Um, I like Kareem Hunt. I like Kareem Hunt over his rushing yards. I mean, this is essentially a split backfield. And even though we might see Nick Chubb get more rushing attempts per game, uh, Kareem Hunt's getting plenty of opportunities himself. And right now we got him projected close to 60 rushing yards. I'm seeing the line on FanDuel is at 46 and a half. So I I like minus 114 to play Kareem Hunt over his rushing yards uh, at that number there. Uh, And then overall on the board, you know, I'm kind of monitoring what happens with Edmonds because, I mean, if James Conner, like you said, he's the goal line back. And if Kyler Murray's hurt and Chase Edmonds hurt and they both still play and they get near the red zone, then that's really going to increase your chances of a James Conner touchdown. So I don't hate that play at all as much as you don't see me playing many of those touchdown props. I think that could be a solid bet. Um, and, And I think that as much as the Browns have a solid defense in terms of stopping the run, their secondary isn't really all that great. So I, I, I do lean right now towards Kyler Murray over on his passing yards. Uh, I also lean towards DeAndre Hopkins over his receiving yards. 
don't forget that DeAndre Hopkins was hurt to start the season. Uh, but every single metric of his has gone up in consecutive weeks now. His targets per route run, 26%. Targets, 32%. His ADOT has gone up to 18.4. So his his targets are increasing, and the level of the field where he's getting targeted is increasing. He has he had a 73% of the air yards in this offense last week against the Niners. So DeAndre Hopkins could be like one game away from getting back to that top five elite status. Uh, it's just that the, the Cardinals haven't had to throw that much. They, they've been in some games where they just haven't needed to put the pedal to the metal on offense. So I'm looking to buy DeAndre Hopkins if I can trade for him in fantasy, even though he's coming off a game where he scored a touchdown. Maybe the guy who has him doesn't value him as a top five guy where I think the ceiling and potential is there. Uh, same goes for Rondale Moore. Routes, targets, average at the target, air yards, targets per route run. All of those metrics have gone up now, Just not just since last week, but over multiple weeks now in a row. Uh, I don't see any props for Rondell Moore, but here's one to, to think about attacking, is if Chase Edmonds is banged up at all, let's say Chase Edmonds misses the game. Sometimes you see these books throwing wide receiver rushing props on the board. I, I would really look to play a Rondell Moore uh, over his rushing yards as a receiver because we almost saw them use him as like a backup running back last week. I mean, he had his highest usage rates of the season across the board. And with his size and his speed, he almost looks like Chase Edmonds on the field. Uh, I I don't think they would hesitate to even give him goal line carries uh, to try to kind of mess up the defensive scheme on the other, other side of things to kind of throw them off guard. So Rondale Moore, I'm very bullish on him this week. I like him in DFS. Uh, I'm starting him in a few season long leagues. I want to get ahead of the curb. And I like the matchup here enough to where if Kyler Murray's shoulders banged up at all, uh, Rondell Moore is going to benefit because he's going to play in those shallow routes and areas of the field there. So uh, Rondell Moore has had – he's had at least one rushing attempt in three straight weeks. He had one in week week three, two in week four, and three in week five. Three carries, 38 yards in week five. So uh, that's where I'm looking. I like Hopkins and Rondell Moore. I like Edmonds, but I'm just worried about his health. And then on the other side of things, you know, for the Browns, I I think Chubb, again, is a solid play. But I really like Hunt because you can take advantage of a really low number for Hunt. Uh, I I think you can see both both of these running backs for the Browns flirt with like 100 uh, all-purpose yards uh, uh, for each of them rushing and receiving. I don't know if the listeners heard you, Chris, but it seemed like maybe I got you to come to the dark side with the touchdown prop. It's only been like, you know, a season and a half. I try to get Chris to at least agree or at least, you know, kind of give me a little bit of thumbs up. And I felt like I got it there, Chris, from you with with uh, with Connor. So what's at the, least what's I the, what's the odds. What's the odds on that prop? I It's not up yet. That's what I'm saying. I'm, my gut feeling probably says, is, you know, it's a plus 110 probably prop, you know, because he's, you know, getting getting the touches down in that area. But once it comes up, I'll let you know. And uh, I it doesn't matter. I, I feel like I won already. That just the fact that you that you didn't throw it in the garbage and say I'm not messing with the touchdown prop. Like I feel like I won already, so um, I'm definitely you know, the, one. The one thing that 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 you brought up in a touchdown prop last year and you hit it in like the first quarter of the game was like, and these are things you want to look out for if you really want to handicap touchdown props. Like I think you brought up in a game where it was like the Jaguars led the league in like pass interference penalties. And if you can target a team where it's like they have a featured goal line back and then the defense they're playing leads the league and those type of penalties, then I think you can really find yourself some nice value for those situations. That's not something I'm digging into right now, but it's something that I think could definitely be worth 
uh, someone's time digging into those stats to try to figure out what touchdowns are worth playing over others. And I'm surprised you didn't give me the thumbs up on that one. So I feel even extra special that you agree. And that was Adrian Peterson, by the way, last year um, that got that done. That was a quick one. They were like, that was quick. I was like, yeah, buddy. That's what you handicapping good stuff there. All right, let's jump over to our next game here, Chris. We only got two more left to go. We got the Cowboys. We got the Patriots. Uh, Total on this one, 50 and a half. High one for this particular game. Uh, I lean to the under in this one. Dallas are going to be laying three and a half points. CeeDee Lamb has been like a guy I don't want any part of anymore. And I know how freaking talented the guy is. But it's just I keep getting let down. Let down in DFS. Let down in... In, in player props, it's like, I don't even know, man. So I, I ain't messing with him. Dallas probably going to run the ball quite a bit. Zeke's looking good. Pollard's looking good. Um, I don't know. I would probably look in, in that direction with those guys. Patriots, I don't know. Maybe this is maybe that big, big Mac Jones game where maybe he throws and, and has like a – you know, a big monster game where he throws for 300 yards and maybe like three touchdowns. Maybe this is that game um, that a lot of people just, you know, they haven't seen yet. But maybe this is that one game where where it's like, all right, he clearly is the best quarterback, rookie quarterback that came out of the draft. Like, um, you know, maybe they even win this game. I don't know. I would maybe look at some Mac Jones stuff and maybe consider that. Um, and, and I haven't fully looked into this game yet, but that, those are just some of the thoughts. What do you got for this one? You, you got a couple of decent guys in there? You got C.D. Lamb in there? Nothing over for C.D. Lamb. Because the, the Cowboys, like, if they don't need to throw and play catch-up like they did in week one against the Bucks, then they're not going to do it. I mean, like, they're, they're franchise player. They don't want to drop him back more than they need to to put him in danger of getting hurt again. They already had to deal with that enough last year. Uh, they're paying Zeke all this money. And get your money's worth, man. Like, feed Zeke as many carries as you can. Plus, the defense is better. I don't think Jerry Jones is messing with that formula, and I don't think Mike McCarthy is either. So if this is a game where, you know, the, the Cowboys defense is going to have a pretty solid performance performance against Mac Jones, I, I like the under for this game, Sleepy. And honestly, like, if I like the under for this game, then I that, that means that the Cowboys don't need to throw that much. And I think you're going to see the running backs have their way again. I mean, Zeke Elliott, uh, I think we've seen his carries go up in every single game this year um tony pollard to me like i don't know why he's like he's always on like my hit list to start the week and then because he's a backup running back i'm like i'm never like making those 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 plays and kind of committing to him but i i like tony pollard over his rushing yards i don't i don't see a number on the board right now sleepy but tony pollard's had 60 he's had 60 or more rushing yards in four straight games and they're not going to line him at 60 they're going to line him at like maybe 40 so I'm looking to play Pollard over rushing. The Zeke line is like 78 and a half. So Zeke's at 78 and a half. The Cowboys have the number one uh, run blocking grade in the NFL. And Patriots run defense is nothing to get scared about. So um, you know, I, I, I would look to the running backs, man. Zeke, Pollard, rushing attempts, rushing yards. Um, maybe I would try to see if a guy like Dalton Schultz, like perhaps his totals get overinflated a little bit. So maybe there's going to be some value on Dalton Schultz on the unders for him uh, because I think that defenses are going to see, hey, we're letting this tight end like literally run wide open over the middle of the field. Like we got to at least respect him a little bit. Um, so that's like kind of 
kind of what I think in, in terms of that. Uh, the Patriots have actually been surprisingly good against opposing tight ends. Uh, they've had their safeties covered, guys that they've played so far this year. Uh, Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips back there. So fantasy stat-wise, uh, the Patriots have allowed a league-low 1.1 fantasy points per target to the tight end position. So I think that shows that maybe you want to uh, sell high on Schultz and fantasy. I, I had Schultz. I picked him up on waiver sleepy in both of my big money leagues. And I traded him. I tra- I've already traded him in both leagues because like you want to like, yeah, he could stick around. He could, he could give you decent weeks here and there, but capitalize on the opportunity. He's never, he's not going to finish the year as a top three tight end. It's not happening. So um, I'm going to, I'm, I've sold high already in fantasy. I highly recommend you do the same if you have him on a season long league. And I would maybe even look to play the under this week on him too, because in past weeks we would have seen his over under at like 30. Now we're seeing it at 43 and a half. Uh, We don't think the Cowboys need to throw that much. And we also think the matchup uh, plays against Schultz in this game. So those are all reasons I lean under him right now. I got to dig into a little bit more, but uh, it's really hard for me to play overs for any of the Dallas passing offense, wide receivers, tight ends. Cause uh I just don't expect too many points in this game. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with everything. All right. Solid stuff. Let's jump into our last one here. We got the Raiders. We got Denver. Denver's going to be minus three and a half here. I'm looking for a particular prop here, Chris, but I don't see it. And I want to, I want to take a look at a Bridgewater under maybe Bridgewater under attempts. And then I'm probably going to end up playing both Denver running backs over. Uh, there's not a whole lot of props on this one, but, Look, I think this game goes two ways. The Raiders win outright or the Raiders get blown out. And I'm leaning very strongly to the Raiders are going to get blown out. You know, the whole situation that went on with the Raiders was, uh, and John Gruden was, you know, I mean, it was, you know, borderline disgusting. But look, this team, they started out good. And sometimes it's like, all right, you lost the game. And it's like a gut punch to you a little bit. You know, it's like, all right, we can bounce back. And then it's like, you know how much more can you take? And this has been a, a problem with the Raiders over the last couple of years is that, you know, they start out decent and then they just fall off like this cliff. Well, I don't think the cliff can get any higher than, than the cliff that they're probably, you know, standing on right now. They got to go on the road in Denver and this Denver defense is for real. The, my gut feeling Chris says that if we just play both running backs for Denver over um, that we're going to at least worry, at least hit one or the other. I think there's a good chance we hit both. And if we hit both of those, I don't see how the hell we don't hit Bridgewater probably under his um, attempts, which I'm guessing you know might be somewhere close to 30. I'm not necessarily sure because I don't see a number yet. But I'll look at those props when they come out. But, uh, like again, like I said, I am, I'm really leaning strong that, that the Raiders get blown out because if things start to go south for them in this game, you got to wonder where they're at mentally. I mean – I mean, these guys are probably taking more questions than they've ever taken before. Um, they're probably being looked at, you know, closer than they've ever been looked at before. So either they're going to rally the troops and win this game, or they're just going to end up getting smoked. And I'm leaning that this is potentially, even though this is a short line of three and a half, that this potentially could be the blowout of the weekend, maybe into you know to the tune of like a forty to seven type of uh, type of outcome. So. Those are the players I'm looking at. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now for this game. And, um, you know, I, I lean very, very, very strong right now to the Broncos. What do you got, Chris? 
Yeah, so it's tough for me to see a lot of points on either side. I agree with you. I'm not high on the Broncos offense that much, but um, I'm not too high on their defense, but I think that they have the right type of defense to match up with the Raiders. The, the Broncos have the sec- second highest rated run defense in the league. Um, on the other side, the Las Vegas Raiders actually have the number two ranked coverage grade by PFF in the league. So I think the Broncos try to run it and the Raiders are going to have to throw because I don't think they're going to have much success running it in this game against the Broncos. Uh, Cortland Sutton has been like on this monster air yards rampage over, uh, you know, throughout the league over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if the volume will be there at home and if the Broncos will need to push it down the field like that. But he's absolutely on my DFS radar. A uh, huge ceiling for Sutton in this game. Um, we've seen Cortland Sutton uh, con- consecutive weeks now. His, his targets per route run, 26%. So that means like literally out of every four times he's running a route, more than that, he's getting targeted, which is a very high number. That's an elite type of number. Even Tim Patrick, his, his routes peaked last week at 98%. So it's all Sutton. It's all Tim Patrick, and it's all Noah Fant. I mean, we look for tight ends to run 80% of routes or more to be considered like top five, top 10 guys. Noah Fant ran a route on 91% of dropbacks last week. Uh, Here's a prop that I like because those guys, I'm still trying to kind of wait and see uh, to who I want to target maybe on an over, but I'm worried about the volume for the Broncos. The prop that I do like, Sleepy, is Henry Ruggs over on his longest reception. Uh, we gave this out in our Discord earlier this week when it was at 23 and a half. Uh, it was it was juiced to the over. I still like it at 24 and a half. Uh, Henry Ruggs has had uh, a 23-yard catcher more in every single game. But, well, hey, the line is 24 and a half. Well, he's had a long catch of 29 yards or more in four out of five games. What did the Denver Broncos do uh, last week? against the Steelers Big Ben like the the ultimate noodle arm quarterback in Big Ben last week sleepy Big Ben completed 59 yard pass to Deontay Johnson and he completed a 50 yard pass to Chase Claypool if he can do that with those guys I'm more than confident that Derek Carr can connect with Henry Ruggs for at least one play of 24 and a half yards or more Uh, I mean look like in week two Marvin Jones and Jameis O'Shaughnessy for the Jags had 24-plus-yard catches. So did Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton in week one. And now we've seen Henry Ruggs, even though his production was down last week, his routes have gone up in in consecutive weeks. Uh, And and I think that's a good sign. Like, he's out there running those routes. Derek Carr is going to look for him. And the fact they've done that almost every single game now, I think we're getting a really good number here. Uh, The fact that the Broncos are really good against the run will lead to the Raiders dropping back to pass more. And all we don't need to worry about him getting 45 yards, 50 yards. I'd rather focus on the one play. And if he does bring the one play down, it's more than likely going to be for 25 yards or more. So that's my favorite play in this game right now. I lean to Henry Ruggs over on receptions too because the, the number one strength, last thing I'll mention here, the number one strength for the Broncos defense in terms of their secondary is Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan is considered one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL. So – This actually turns out to be a very tough matchup for Hunter Renfro. Uh, Henry Ruggs' reception line is at two and a half. I think that's way too low for a guy with his talent, given the situation and the matchup across the rest of the board here. Raiders playing on the road, possibly falling behind against a really good run defense. Uh, I I like Henry Ruggs. I'm going to say, for me, I'm going to go full unit on the over longest reception. 
and I'll probably throw a pizza bet, maybe quarter unit, half unit for now on his over receptions because it's juice high. It's like, I think it's like minus 130 uh, to the over two and a half. But that's where I'm at right now with this game uh, for the Raiders. I think Ruggs could have a really big game uh, as the the opposing receivers put on the opposite side with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fan. Yeah, Callahan's a real deal, man. But your handicap there is, you know, it's spot on. I mean, I'm with you. Rug, rug seems like, you know, that that's definitely the way to go. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why, and I, I meant to mention this too, one of the reasons why, you know, we're not seeing a whole hell of a lot of props, at least on the Denver side with the running backs, is because Melvin Gordon has a little bit of a hip issue, so they, they don't necessarily know if he's going to play. Uh, he was limited in practice, so, um, you know, we'll go ahead and see. You know, one of the things, though, Chris, is, you know, when you're talking about Denver maybe not getting the amount of volume, I do worry, though, because they lost the last two games. You know, they, they lost to the Ravens, uh, lackluster offensive performance, lost to the Steelers. I don't want to say lackluster performance there, but, you know, they started out the season against the Giants, the Jags, the Jets, bad teams. We know that. But they won those games. They looked impressive. Uh, Bridgewater looked good. And they have to go on the road to play Cleveland. So it was like, all right, you know, the, a- the AFC North right now, you know, is giving this Denver team problems. And I feel like this is the game, like, they, they need to get, like, a feel-good win. And like I said, if, if the Raiders have, you know, issues in this game where they just kind of lay down, I don't see Denver letting off the gas um, in any way, shape, or form. I think they continue to just go ahead and push the ball, you know, whether it's through the running game or passing game. But, uh, again, that's, you know, what I said I'm going to do, That that's what I'm going to do. But I, w- I would have some extreme caution, um, you know, with the Raiders this week. Like, I, I loved them last week, Chris. I played them. They were my premium play. I was on a killer run. I'm, you know, right now I'm on like a 12 and two NFL run, but I was on like a 10 and 0 run going into that pick. And I was so excited. And I was like, there's no way the bears are beating this team. Yeah, I was wrong. So my gut feeling is that, and I'm not sour against the Raiders at all. Um, it's just the situation that, that, that's occurred over the last week. You know, I, I just believe it puts them in a, in a bad spot against a Denver team that might be looking for a, you know, a good feel good win you know, going into that Browns game on the road because they're going to need to be, you know, kind of a well machine going on the road into Cleveland. But that'll wrap up the pod, guys. Really good stuff from Chris today. You could tell he had all his research ready to rock and roll. Me, not so much. I was tired. Uh, It's been a long week. Been struggling uh, to go in and get some decent sleep, but I'm going to get some rest tonight. Chris already promised he's going to edit the podcast. So if you guys hear any glitches, uh, any any kind of delays or any of that stuff, go to Chris at Mad Journalist on Twitter and complain to him. Uh, so he's going to do that tonight. That's a, that's a big help for me. So thanks in advance, Chris, with that. Uh, but you guys can catch me on Twitter, SleepyG underscore pregame. As I said, you can get Chris on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys can find us at thebettingpredators.com and also at pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on Sunday. Enjoy the games. <laughs>